Hello, and welcome to the Military Maker Podcast. We're a group of military guys making the transition from the battlefield to the woodshop who like to talk about making, running a business, innovating, creating, and whatever else comes to mind. So you just might learn something here, or you may not, but what do you have to lose? So go ahead, pull up a seat and join us while we discuss our next mission. But remember, folks, we are vets. Sometimes we're but the slow, funny thing so is, when I, the, the guy that made that, I was like, hey, I, I, I want like this type of voice, this type of sound to it. He was like the skinniest little nerdy dude you've ever seen. I was like, there's no way that this voice is coming out of out of this cat, right? But <laughs> who knows? Well, here we are, episode Catch 11, a little season two. We've got the whole crew here, and we also got Chris Harpster from Benchtop Woodworks. Say hey, Chris. Hey, you. what's going on? All right. AKA the crew behind the the crew behind yeah. the crew. <laughs> Sweet. Man, Instagram nice. nerd. So before we begin the show, you know, we always like to thank our uh, our sponsors. Pepsi. Powermatic. No. Oh. <laughs> Woodpecker. <laughs> the Woodpecker Checkers. Colt Arms. <laughs> that would Walmart. Be yeah, Sig. Walmart. Uh, <laughs> no, our patrons, man. Our pa- really appreciate those guys. They've been hanging. I mean, can you believe they, they're they on season two now? Our, our patrons, a lot. most of them have been with us since season one. That, that's pretty dedication. Really appreciate their support. Guys are awesome. Really. Do the math here. I mean... And that's, listen, people out there, when you season. listen to this show, this is a lot of work. This ain't free. I mean, this costs money to run this operation. You guys are out there listening to it free, living off our backs. So <laughs> <laughs> hey, time is money. <laughs> I mean, they could be listening to something that makes them smarter. Instead, they're losing. I mean, it's costing them brain cells. I'm just to us, messing right? around, yeah. but it, it does. It is costly. So we really appreciate the support. And if you guys want to be part of the crew and uh, join us, you can go to patreon.com forward slash military makers. All right. Oh, I thought you were like firing me or something and trying to find my replacement right there. If you want to be part of the crew, there's a spot opening up. Well, you know, <laughs> top right of the screen. Is Everybody's in the crew, man. Everybody's part of the crew. Oh. What, what, what are we going to call them? Should, should, all right. Here we go. What are we going to name our patrons? Yeah. So is War Eagle still a thing? Is that like an Auburn thing or is yeah, that yeah. just. <laughs> You know, the thing is, I, I think I had a couple beers when I was coming up with these with these names. And, and if I would have put the pieces together, that, that was an Auburn thing. I don't think I would have called it War Eagle. So I'm, that's I'm the only thing to say yeah. that's the only thing that prevented me from going for War Eagle. Say Ooh. no. Damn. All right. <laughs> that's most oh, that's hardcore, man. <laughs> uh, I, I I can be bought. What, what, what's your school mascot? Uh, I'm a Penn State Nittany Lion. But uh, okay, yeah, you could be a war lion, a war a, a Nittany Lion. Yeah, yeah. Nittany yeah. Lion, hundred bucks a month. We'll hundred bucks it a month. Yep, and I'll I'll have I'll have Chris send you a Penn State hat. There you go. And they got a pretty robust uh, ROTC program there, right? They're pretty yeah, serious they do. about and that. I, I shammed out and I went to a branch campus though up in Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh, it's a little engineering school That's where the smart kids go. Well, at least you got to stay away from Sandusky up there, right? Yeah, that was right about the time when that was all <laughs> all blown up. But funny story, actually, that should have blown up probably a decade before. So there was a there was an active investigation opened up by a DA and state college on him, like literally a decade before all that. But that dude is a missing person. His uh, vehicle and laptop were found, but to this day, that guy, as far as I know, is a missing person. So 
hiding out in Erie, Pennsylvania. What's that? Is he hiding out in Erie, Pennsylvania? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's up there being an engineer now. This is an eerie story. Oh, that's, oh man. That's it. And that's the end of this show. Nah. So is that like a sore topic for, for Penn Staters? Because I mean, obviously. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they like ripped down. So like Joe Paterno, I mean, he put his life life into that place. Um, I mean, he showed up. It's kind of funny. It was like a, a low hanging fruit, like early coaching job. And he's like, man, there's more cows around here than there are people. I'll be out of this place in a year. And then like, I don't know what it was. 50 years later, the guy was, I don't know how legendary. many years old. Yeah. And he was a legend and he, and he ended up dying there. But that, uh, him being associated with that kind of, I mean, completely destroyed his reputation because there's a, there's a possibility that he like, I, I don't know exactly. Turn, the turn another cheek. Yeah. I don't know what he knew or what he didn't know. And I don't want to speculate, but um, allegedly he was tipped off and, and either reported it or didn't report it appropriately or something or other and got roped into it. Mm. Yeah, it's a crap deal. Almost, almost kind of like, uh, yeah. I mean, they pretty much erased. Now, didn't they take away all his championships and all that stuff like that? Yeah, it was one of the, they like. I mean, they they like erased him. He became unpersoned, Orwell style. Like they tore down a statue and everything. Oh. So you got the Teddy Roosevelt treatment. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at Pete Rose. I mean, <laughs> the guy's never going to get in the Hall of Fame, is he? Mm. They got, and they got I mean, athletes doing worse shit than that. He bet on a baseball game. You can't. That's kind of a different uh, ballpark altogether, right? Like, that's <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. Like, like, I mean, Pete Rose was Pete Rose, but I don't think anybody's gonna like take away I, his legacy. No, what I'm what I'm trying to say is is that they like Pete Rose didn't do anything as as, as heinous, heinous or severe as as uh, you know as uh, what Sandusky did. And look, I mean, they're not they're not giving him his right due. I mean, right? I mean, I mean, do you not believe he should be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, I mean, he is the all time hit leader. No, there you go. End of story. All right. Well, it's something to happen after his career, and he was a coach then, right? Coach player. It's kind of it's right. pretty it's pretty All sketchy, right. Sarge. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, well. Gonna, I shouldn't talk sports because I don't know anything about sports. I mean, that guy's got a lot of touchdowns. I mean, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a lot of three-pointers. He's got a lot of three-pointers. A lot, a lot of three-pointers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, 50th episode? Is that is that the is that the rumor? 5-0, that's correct. Oh, that's wow. Awesome. What's the uh what's that like radio commission or whatever they could kick you off for saying stupid stuff? How we haven't been kicked off yet, right? Is that the FCC <laughs> nobody, or cuz nobody's listening. No, cuz nobody's <laughs> listening. We well, you know when I posted that picture of the uh the, the motorboater, I was like, is this like, I, like, but then he was found guilty and his picture was in the army time. So I'm like, I think I'm safe. I think I'm safe. But I'm like, but just like you just said, like, I'm, but who's going to turn us in? Right. I, I definitely was questioning. I was like, well, I get that. Is this a, what kind of joke is, oh, Jesse pulling one of them army jokes on us. No, no <laughs> army doesn't need, I don't need to make stuff up. Army oh. just lays it out there yeah. for you. And they do it to We've themselves. WTF uh, page. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Seriously, though, I mean. This this is not an army issue. This is across all services. Don't it, it just amazes it? I I'm continually amazed at the stupid things people do at the rank that they're doing. Right? Oh yeah, like, no kidding. And, and like that particular one. I mean, just think. Of, I mean, I, there's a quote in the article that this, something along the lines. I should have it in front of me so I can sound a little smarter. But something along the lines of they wouldn't put medals on the chest if they didn't want you to do that. Right? I mean, it's not. 
It's so unbelievable. It's absolutely absurd. Uh, how does anybody, I don't, I don't care enlisted officer, how does anybody make any progress in their career who has the mentality that they would go ahead and do that? I don't absolutely blows my mind, but it made for a really good laugh for me. And so I, you know, I'll chuckle at a man's career <laughs> down the toilet. No problem. But, Apparently he retired. Uh, yeah, I mean, why not? Full retirement. I'm sure he. I'm sure he had a retirement ceremony, and you know, somebody probably motorboated that fat boy. You know, <laughs> I'm sure he's got some. I'm sure he's got a nice meaty chest to put your face yeah. in, right? Oh man! I, I saw that cake. I saw that cake picture, Sarge. Oh yeah, cheesecake. Yeah. yeah, guy. Yeah, guy walk through the the, the defect yeah. with the piece of cheesecake. Uh, Come that, on, we're closer to our page. Yeah, huh? I saw it. Oh, you talking about last week when that when they had the uh, guy in PT uniform? That was yeah. longer, man. It was at least probably three Marines weeks. Taking selfies with the guy. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, Chris, what's new with you? It's been a uh, almost a year since we saw you the first time. Oh man, yeah. It, actually, it's probably close to exactly a year. Yeah. Um, so you're home now. You're not uh, doing this at three o'clock in the morning or yeah. whatever whatever time it was. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be home. I'm uh, I'm back on Fort Campbell and kind of doing. Uh, I mean, I'm still active duty, so my role is kind of a fun one in our organization. It's kind of hard to explain. So we're contracting, so we help people get stuff that they can't get through any other means, and so. Some of my customers are the 101st, uh, the 160th, fifth 5th group. Um, and then we've got a couple other, like the installation itself is a customer. And so we're constantly like helping people solve problems. So it's it's always exciting. And then on the personal front, uh, we're expecting our fourth kiddo. Hey, so a little, little there. girl on the way. Finally, some uh, estrogen in the works. Nice. But, Congratulations. Uh, thanks. She's, uh, we got a pretty, uh, pretty rough diagnosis though. So she, uh, she's got a, a pretty severe brain condition. We might, uh, she might not survive quite honestly. Oh, wow. Um, so we're kind of dealing with that. Um, mm-hmm. but we got good hospital care in, uh, in the Nashville area through Vanderbilt and all. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're kind of waiting out to see she'll be due in, uh, the end of July. All right. And then it's a big question mark. I might actually be transitioning from the army this year too. Wow. Big year. Yeah. That's a yeah, kind of big, big pivot year. And, uh, Waiting to see what's next. I don't really know, know where it's going to take me. I, there's a lot of opportunity in the current field I'm in. So I remember uh, on the woodworking front, I just redesigned. I mean, Sarge helped me big time with this. Uh, redesigned my workbench in CAD while I was deployed and uh, kind of got it all ready to be cut out on a CNC router. And so we used Sarge's router and uh, cut out all the parts. I mean, it was like I kept waiting to make mistakes, but like all the parts were I mean, literally CNC cut. So it just kind of went together. I mean, I still screwed things up along the way, but it, it just like went together like it was meant to be. So huh. it took me about two two months a long project, but I got my workbench up and running again and gave my uh gave my old one away to a buddy. Uh, yeah. So it- what were some of the notable upgrades that you did on this on this bench? Oh man, um, I uh, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the layout, but the miter saw there was a little bit of an interference for wide panel cuts, so I actually made it so it pivots out of the way if I really need to, like cross cut or uh, ripple full sheet of plywood. Um, I bought a few new tools along the way, like I bought a new miter saw, I bought a new, bought a new table saw. What'd you get? Um, What'd you get? Yeah, so I, I bought a Delta Cruiser miter saw. That thing was a ripoff. Um, from the time I decided on it to the time I bought it, it had inflated by like 150 bucks. Oh, um, yeah. But I still Storm. went with it. Um, I think it's got like a 17 inch crosscut capacity, so it's basically a radio arm saw. Cool. Um, and then I got a Delta was the was the brand I went with for table saw too. I got their uh, 
contractor solid lows sells. It's a 36T something or other. Very nice. That's what you got too, Sarge, isn't it? You got a Delta table saw? Different. I have a, a Unisaw. Unisaw. I've got a Delta. Delta. T2, whatever it is. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think you got the same one Chris has got. Mm. Nice. I like it. Yeah, Very too. good. Very good. So anyway, so you get you can do wide panel stuff on there now, a little easier. Yeah, I could literally put the miter saw away, which um and cut up I could cut any size panel out of a sheet of plywood on it with full outfeed. Nice. Nice. So that's I, I'm trying to design an outfeed table right now. And there's so I was actually gonna I, I've been looking for this segue. I just got my my, my new table saw just got delivered um Monday and so Super, super excited. Um, with that said, whatever I could, I've already found some like little things. I, I ended up after a lot of research and a lot of thought, I ended up going with the Harvey mm. and, uh, we'll see. I mean, I, it's not even, I don't even have the wiring in the walls yet. So I'm still in the assembly phase of this thing, but, uh, yeah, whatever. It's fine. But what I'm the bench, I've got about nine different functions that I want to do on this bench. And some of them are kind of contradictory with each other. But one of the things I also got in the mail this last week was my, the dashboard. Are you familiar with the dashboard PWS hinge system for the track sauce? Oh, is that where it lifts up? Yeah. So slide it under. Uh, yeah. So you just put, I mean, I've got the festival track, but I think it's compatible with Bosch and Makita, you know, the other mm-hmm. tracks, but, mm-hmm. but I think it's specific. Those are, it's, it's like they, it was like a, they made it adaptable to those, but it's kind of made for the festival. It seems like it just fits just right for festival. Um, and I don't have the other tracks off, so I can't say anything about it, but, but at any rate on way out on, on one end, it hinges. And so it, it, you can literally like raise it up 90 degrees out of the way, put the wood in and then drop the hinge down and it'll be in the same spot every single time. Mm. Uh, but you need, you need rails on both sides of your bench to hold the, the hinge system. Right. And then I also want it to be an outfeed table for my new table saw. So I have to think about these rails plus the hinges on the track saw as it pertains to the orientation of the table saw. And I'm just like, man, Mm. uh, it's not, it's not undoable. And I've thought about doing a couple different things. I, I thought about um, Rockler actually makes these really cool like shop casters. Um, there's m- multiple brands that do it, but they make these one. They have this set that uh, there's a little metal brace or not brace, but like a little uh, adapter that you put on each side and the casters actually slide on and off um, the bench. So you can you can actually put these, uh, you know, female parts on all your stuff, on all your equipment, and you only need one set of casters and you can move them around. And then they have a lever that you push down and it lifts the, the table up and you can move it around or whatever. I was thinking about doing that so I can move it when I wanted to use the track saw feature, but I'd really just like a station, you know, I just like it all kind of one, one-stop shop. I mean, and this is completely separate from my, my workbench, right? This that, is that, just that flippy thing though, that mm-hmm. connects to, that uses like a T-bolts or something like that, right? Yeah. I mean, so I, yeah. Um, the short answer is yes. The longer answer, they have a proprietary like track system. Like if you bought the multifunction table from Dashboard PWS, they have a proprietary track system that's pretty sweet. Um, but they do, you, they are designed so you can build your own uh, T-track sort of system. But if you if you think about it like an outfeed table, like flush up against the, the table saw, well, obviously the the hinge can't be separating the outfeed table or the yeah the outfeed table and the and the table saw because the hinge would be in between. So so you got to rotate the, the outfeed table like ninety degrees, right? Or right. just make it absolutely huge. And, and that was the other thing when you look up dashboard PWS. A lot of the stuff on the site um, they kind of use like a smaller track saw, so you can't. It's not designed to put a four by eight piece of plywood on the table and use this hinge. Um, but that's what I'm trying to do. I bought a I got a fifty five inch 
track that I bought just for this. And so I'm going to be trying out. Like, there's nothing better than a track saw for making a piece of plywood into multiple smaller pieces of plywood. So mm-hmm. if I can get it set up to where I just put the piece of plywood up there and cut 90 degree cuts on it every single time, that's what I'm trying to do. Anyways. So how'd you find these people, Jesse? Because I've never heard of them. I just visited a website. It, Dash- looks, it looks pretty interesting. Um, Dashboard PWS. So Actually, um, Jason Bent, we talked about it when he was on the show. And when he was on the show, he had just put a post and it wasn't about the, uh, the PWS system. It was, it was just like, kind of, maybe it was like a shop tour or something like that. And you can see him operating this track on a hinge. And I was like, man, that's pretty sweet right there. Mm -hmm. And if you put a fence up against the backside of that, that's 90 degrees exactly to the, to the hinge, Mm -hmm. you've got to a perfect 90 degree cut every single time on your track saw, which is, you know, and, and I know they make the, like wood woodpecker makes that cool little adapter that, mm-hmm. that goes on there and that's portable and it's, you can do different angles and all that. Yeah. There's but, several companies to do that. TSO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is like miter saw accuracy, right? Like right. there's, there's no little tool to get off to, for, for me to drop or something right. like that. This is I, just, it, it drops. I've seen the- I've seen the Fest Two One demonstrated at a, at a Woodcraft one time, mm-hmm. and uh, that was pretty cool because he was like sliding, so you know had like a stop. You know, I yeah. don't know if you ever seen those. Um, oh, what do you call those? Uh, the things that kind of let you put your track at a certain distance from an edge. What are those things called? No, just track guide or yeah, the yeah. track, the, the track parallel guide. track guide, yeah, parallel, parallel track guide. Mm-hmm. So he had the parallel track guide set up right, and so all he did was like he dropped his little thing down run his saw across it, pick it up, move that piece, slide the board down until it hits the stop again. And, you know, you got a perfect slice every time. I was like, yeah, it's pretty slick. To be honest with you, though, I thought I thought that table, the MFT, looks mm. kind of wobbly, though. It, uh, it kind of shook a little bit. It, 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 it yeah, it's, kinda... not, it's, it's not too robust. And that's, you know, you know, the other thing is you can't put a full eight by four or four by eight sheet of plywood on it. Mm. And, and honestly... Even even with the little with the with the square with the with the track, it just seems I know the little grippy surface holds pretty well, but there's always just a little bit of slop in there. Just I mean, it doesn't not always, I guess, but you have a way to introduce slop. And with this hinge system, it, it's it's kind of foolproof. I mean, I think yeah. I think it's a pretty sweet getup. I mean, it, it's it's kind of a. You know, I mean, it's kind of over the top because at the end of the day, I'm only going to be cutting plywood with this thing. Like, I'm not going to, I'm only breaking down sheets, right? I'm not going to be doing precision miter cuts on my track saw PWS system, but you could, if you wanted to make a 90 degree cut, you could, you could square up at an end real easy. I mean, I would just personally use my miter saw, but. Well, I don't know what you typically do, Jesse, but I, I know how I'm using my track saw right now is I'm, I'm cross cutting sheets and then I'll rip the final width through the table saw on a lot of change blades. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Um, but I don't, are you looking primarily to do cross cuts with your fit? I guess 55 inch track. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I personally, I'm just a kind of a gadget nerd. I just like having a lot of different options to do a lot of different things. And, and sometimes I mean, it happens all the time. No matter what my setup is, I, I always hit a situation where I'm like, man, if I could just do this, it would just be a little bit easier, a little more accurate, something like that. So I just like having a lot of different options and this is kind of my forever shop. So I'm just throwing it all out there. what, uh, what size rip capacity is your Harvey? Gosh, I don't even know, man. Okay. It, yeah, it's the it's the it's the Alpha one ten S fifty two inch or something like that. Like it's a it's the biggest, baddest one they got. Okay, nice. 
Um, as a 31 inch depth, 31 and a half inch depth. Yeah. So it's almost <laughs> embarrassing. I said, after a lot of research, I ended up with this one. Then he asked me like a basic question. I'm like, I don't know, but, but, uh, nah, I, so I, I guess what it. I'm picturing is I, when I use my track saw, I'll put a sheet of plywood kind of across my table saw and outfeed table. And I use that little gap in between the table saw and the outfeed table is like my cross cut where my blade yep. goes for my track saw. Um, and I guess I'm picturing that thing mounted to the right side of the table saw on the outfeed table so that it would be kind of near that edge of the, the bench. I don't know if that would work for what you're talking about. Well, well that's what's nice about this particular system, right? Like if you can, I can mount it right on my finished bench, this, this hinge system, and I'm going to cut it through. Well, in theory, it's going to be that same cut every single time. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm not tearing up a bunch of wood. It's just the same exact cut every single time. So if you, if I design it in a way I could even, I mean, to be honest, I've got these, uh, they come, they came from a, a Thai food restaurant. They had all their tables were this, these maple butcher block tables. Oh, that's awesome. Super sweet. And I got six of them in there. I think they're, I mean, it's the size of like a, a, of a restaurant table that sits four, right? So what is that? Maybe four and a half by two and a half feet or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've got six of these butcher maple butcher block tables and, and they've got the name of the restaurant emblazoned on the top, but I'm just going to flip them over and it's a fresh maple table. And I'm just going to put those together and that's going to be my outfeed table. And so I can just assemble it. And I'll probably mount them flush on, uh, you know, either a sheet of MDF or a sheet of plywood or something underneath. And so I can just mount them. So there's the width of a saw blade, you know, in between two of these tables. So I'm not, I'm not worried about cutting up a table. Cool. But no, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it comes out. I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I've been looking at that TSO T, T thing for the track. That's my biggest problem. Every time I use my track saw, it's like, I'm always at one thirty second off or whatever. Not it's like, hang on, put it right on the damn line. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem though. I mean, you're looking at a pencil line and it can be on one side of the pencil line yeah. and then so, it has a slight diagonal to the other side of the pencil line. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, you know, sheet goods aren't always square either. So yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's uh, I just, uh, matter of fact, I just picked up one of those T TS 75. That's yeah, the I, one I, I got lucked out because it's uh, well, I have a TS 55, but I'm, I think I must sell it. But uh, I've been wanting a 75 because I never felt like I had enough cut capacity. Cause I, I tried cutting like, you know, some thicker wood once. And it's like, I had pull out a hand saw and it, it was just, you know, that it was just that one, like that three, four millimeters, just hanging on there. It's like, God, man, this is pull out my saw and cut it all off. It's like, if I just had the bigger one, cause I also have a bunch of slabs and I want to, I want to make a, I'm thinking about making a waterfall table down the future and can't pull that on table. saw. you got to do that on a track saw. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're hard to get right now. I mean, this guy was saying, yeah, we haven't we haven't been able to get them for a year, over a year now. And uh, he told me that uh, they they were getting a shipment in. And I, he said, probably by Monday. And I was there Friday. I said, okay, well, here's my number and stuff like that. Give me a call. Anyways, I only got halfway home and he called me. He's like, hey, you won't believe this, man. The UPS guy just dropped them off. I said, all right, I'll be right there. I turned around, drove all the way back there. <laughs> I picked that sucker up, man. That's salesmanship right there. Yeah. You know, he only had Creating four. an artificial demand. It's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. Haven't got a chance no, to use it yet because I haven't been in my shop a lot. Mm-hmm. So, Flash, what have you been up to lately, man? Because work, 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 man. You know me. Yeah. I All know, I man. do anymore is work. Putting out the fires. Mm. 
Okay, okay, okay. Theoretically. Kind of a no. personal question. You don't have to answer this, Flash. Do you kind of sometimes sit back and go, man, maybe I shouldn't have taken this job? Kind of feeling like, man, I'm missing out. I'm, <laughs> I miss all the fun I used to have. No, I don't. That's That certainly is not a regret. Um, when I put in to go across the hall, we call it to the dark side. Um, <laughs> I feel like my, uh, I feel like my time running calls was, was over. I've been doing it for a long time and mm. I've seen probably imagine I've seen a lot, done a lot and, uh, just felt like there wasn't a whole lot more to do. And that at the end of my career, that there was more that I can do from, a. Um, administrative position. So pretty easy decision. I don't really regret it. it obviously, it was a big change from the shift schedule because as you guys know, I, you know, I was on 4896s. So I'd work 48 straight and be off for 96. So going from that to a standard 40 hour eight to five, it's, I mean, shop time is just crap right now. I mean, it just <laughs> yeah. is. Time, time I get home in the evenings, I just, I don't have a lot of energy left at least a lot of mental capacity, I guess yep. you might say, to go out there and work on a project. And um, so that kind of resorts to, to weekends for me now. And quite frankly, we, you know, we do a lot of camping on weekends and there's just other things that we do. And it's more centered around family time than it used to be because I only have weekends off now yep. where I used to have, you know, I could have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off, for example, during the week and had a lot more time with the family, I guess. But so it's just been, a, it's been a change. Um, so my woodworking time has certainly, certainly dropped off as has my IG time. I have, I used to do some stories now and again and all that from the shop, but since my shop time's just completely, you know, just been pretty much blasted, I, I just don't have a lot of time out there anymore. So yeah, I feel your pain, man. I feel your pain. Yeah. About a year and a half. I'm, I'm estimating about a year and a half. I'll be like Jesse, grow my beard and be retired and after we get off the Appalachian Trail about the same time yeah I've shaved one time since I've been active duty I can't nice. wait one time I mean I've trimmed I've trimmed but I've only <laughs> I've, I've only broken out the you know bare skin one one time Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's the grass is greener for sure. Grass is definitely greener. Don't know it's taking you so long, Sarge. You're way past retirement age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> well, you know what, what it is is uh, well, one we've I we've had a single single income family. You know, up until about maybe two years ago. So uh, one single income, you know, you got to pay all the bills. So, you know, there's not a whole lot. And buy the track saw. Yeah. Well, <laughs> things are different now, you know, now my wife works. So, and mm. I, and all I basically got is a mortgage. So it's like, you know, my, I have a little more, uh, what do you call that? Uh, residual income, I guess you'd call it. Disposable. Spendable. Income. Disposable, disposable income. That's what I call it. Disposable. All right. I have a little more disposable income nowadays, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've already, I've already given my, bosses that heads up said yeah you know march 2024 i'm out of here wow. Now, wow. now now my mom my wife ain't happy i'm probably gonna end up getting a divorce over that but you know hey i gotta do what i gotta do did you tell her oh yeah okay march you said that's did you just start. say march 2024 yeah that, that's where we're going no we're not nah. march is it yeah 2024 yeah, i guess it is my this, bad. Okay. this is a bad yeah, start gentlemen yeah, yeah it's a bad start I was, yeah i was trying to get my math in my head i'm like well that sounds a ways off but i guess that's about right i'm still pretty hurt Chris, they haven't invited me. Like I'm the only guy here yeah, that doesn't have a job. Yeah. Inv- <laughs> we know, we know, we know realistically you probably couldn't pull it off, Jesse, with those younger kids. All of our kids, all of our kids are already in college and got families. You're still coaching baseball. Oh, hold on there. I got two kids. I got a 17 and 13 yeah. year old still flying. By 2024, man, they'll be like friggin' shaving their armpits and whatever else older girls do. <laughs> you ain't got baby or not. Girls. 
2024, my oldest will be a junior in high school, college. Uh, whatever. I'll do it on my own. Screw you guys. <laughs> uh, you can fly out there and meet us and do a couple hundred miles. We're yeah, we're uh, we're a little more truthfully fearful that you you walk us into the into the friggin' earth. We suspect you're in a lot better shape than us two old farts are. We're we're, we're looking at an average of maybe eight to nine miles a day, where you'd be more like 26, 27. Oh, hold, hold, hold on there, Jet. Hold on. No, I keep. I like this where it's going. Oh, eight <laughs> keep, nine keep, miles keep, a day. What 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 are we gonna be crawling our hands and knees? I mean, what the hell? Eh? No. Sar- Sarge is bringing the recumbent. He's. <laughs> hey, I was almost late to this because I was uh, I was out in my shop setting up my recumbent, getting my new uh, I got new pannier racks for it, and uh, I was so upset because when I first got, I'm like, man, my my old pannier bags aren't going to fit on here because you know they're ort leaves and. And they have a special rack that they go on to on my regular bicycles. But uh, I ended up making it work with good because they're very expensive. I've had them for about 15 years. So they're still <laughs> as good as new. There's there's a plug, right? Yeah. Sponsor. Hey, 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 to Flash's point, though, I've got this moose trip planned. Plus, plus, I've got my elk tags in. And I figure, I don't know how this math works out, but I figure for every pound I lose, I can probably carry an extra five to 10 pounds of meat. So I, uh, I, I need to, I'm trying, I'm trying to drop every additional ounce I can because it's uh elk meat is more important than beer meat. If you know what I mean? <laughs> Where are you going for elk? So one really cool thing about having a disabled veteran status is that most, or at least a lot of States will give you uh, in-state in-state hunting uh, mm-hmm. fees. So for, to answer your question, um, Oregon is on lottery. Right. So because disabled vet, I don't have to, it's free for me to enter these lot of lotteries. I cost me like eight bucks or something, but essentially free. Um, so I got my, I got my picks in for Oregon. If I don't get Oregon, Idaho is $40 for a license and $40 for a tag for disabled vets. Um, so thank you, Idaho. 80 bucks is nothing to go elk hunting, especially out of state. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, and yeah, so those, those are my, those are my two picks for this year, Oregon and Idaho. One of those, one of those I should get, uh, Washington state actually has the same deal as Idaho. I can get, I can get in state, um, fees there too, but we all, well, three of us can get, get those, but, uh, but so, so that's pretty nice. And then the moose hunting trips in Alaska, mm, nice. but, but yeah, I need to, what's that? Where are you going in Alaska? No idea. No idea. It's a, uh, yeah, so, I should know. I should know. I'm kind I got invited onto this trip and uh, basically I'm just going to give them the money and they'll put me out there somewhere. It's, it's a uh, 12, it's 12 days and we get flown out to a little water plane out on a lake somewhere in the back country of Alaska. So I was and right. The bush, we call the it the bush. Yep. <laughs> the bush. And uh, I lived the up plane, there for three years. Yeah. And the plane comes back 12 days later. So, wow. Um, yeah. They actually call them bush pilots, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. They do. Um, Discovery Channel used to have a uh, show called Bush Pilots, I think. Yeah. So. Flash, where were you uh, when you were in Alaska? I was stationed in Anchorage, uh, Elmendorf Air Force Base, right outside uh, Fort Richardson. Of course, now it's Joint Base, Elmendorf Ridge, or something like that. I uh, I did some hunting, but I never never scored anything. You know, never scored a moose or anything real fantastic. So did a lot of fishing though, a lot of ice fishing in the winter, a lot of a lot of salmon or trout fishing on the Kenai River, uh, things like that. Portage glaciers, about an hour from Anchorage, really really beautiful glacier, pretty blue ice. I mean, there's a lot to see up there, obviously. Um, 
spent a lot of time up in the Chugach Mountains. Yeah, that's some bucket list stuff there, Flash. Picking wild blueberries, mm. and yeah, I could I could definitely become a hippie up there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of hippies up there. My, mm-hmm. my wife and I were up there for three years in Fairbanks. Okay, we had oh. Isleson to our south there, and uh, that's every, that's the real Alaska time right there. Yeah. My wife's a, my wife's kind of a city girl, so every long weekend we got, we'd drive to Anchorage, and we'd stay on the uh, the Elmendorf side of oh, what's Jay Bear now. Mm-hmm. And we get out, out and about. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, we we certainly looking back on it, we miss our time up there. At mm. the time, we were a young family, just raising little kids, and it was far from home. You know the, the mm-hmm. typical tribulations of a young military family being so far from home. I don't think we appreciated as much then, but looking back on it now, we're like, man, it was it was a nice place up there. We really enjoyed it. Um, it's it's weird. It's weird to explain that because in the in the moment, mm-hmm. I just think things are things seem different sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess as you age and you or you grow up, you, you start to really think back on it. And it's like, you know, I was, I was really, I really enjoyed that mm. more so now, I guess, looking back on it than I did when I was there. That makes sense. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's not cheap to leave the state, especially on an emergency basis or whatever. And I lost both my grandfather's wives up there mm. and, uh, you know, you can't No, well, I was at, I was at NTC and in, in California during one of them, but, uh, I mean, you can't just drop 2000 bucks to leave the state right on a flight yeah that now that you say that i lost one of my grandfathers when i was up there and i like you said i, I didn't have the money to come home mm. no way you're watching mm. that show ice road truckers yeah <laughs> i know i know of it i don't really watch it hey, man, i'll tell you what that's some crazy stuff right keep that job <clears throat> i always wanted to go to alaska so you know this summer i mean this fall we're we're supposed to be going on a uh vacation family vacation so I wanted to go to Universal Studios, ride some coasters, see all the Harry Potter stuff. You know, girl, I had my girls on board. Man, I got chopped, man. Now we're going. I get. We're either going to go on a cruise or we're going to go out Caribbean at some resort, all inclusive resort thing. I'm like, you know, wow, you're going to be. I'm a little more adventurous, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're going to be an oddball if you go down to the Caribbean. I can just see you in your in your sandals walking on the beach with your farmer tan. Oh, I don't wear sandals on the beach now. I mean, who wears sandals on the beach? That's crazy. I, I see people on on television on 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 the internet. And they'll be walking with their shoes on the beach. It's like, who wears shoes on the beach? <laughs> what is wrong with these people, man? I bet they wear shoes in the shop, too. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. What? I mean, uh, you could, you- believe me, you could find drop bolts and nuts and screws and nails a lot easier when you don't have shoes on. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> and you're, you're right. A cruise ship is not nearly as adventurous as Harry Potter land. Uh, hey, now. <laughs> you nerd. Man, so, so I've been comparing prices of cruises, right? Uh, so by far, Alaska, an Alaskan cruise is probably the most expensive cruise out there. I mean, it's massively expensive compared to all the rest. And then we were also thinking about maybe a Mediterranean cruise. Uh, that's like second, second most expensive, unless you add the airfare, because, you know, you got to pay for to get over. That's when it's shot up. But it's not cheap flying to like, um, I think you leave out of Washington State or something like that. On uh, on Alaska, but I oh. thought that'd be kind of cool. I, I don't know. I, I've done one cruise in my life, and I said I'm not going to do another one until I'm like 73. But I I don't know. I don't like being herded like sheep. Um, I, I maybe I, I I don't think this is much to do. It had nothing to do with like being in the Navy either. Like it's a, obviously a completely different experience. But but I I remember pulling in somewhere. 
I don't even, I can't even tell you the places we pulled anymore. It doesn't matter. They're all the same down there. And they're like, you have eight hours to go do all of these different events that 3000 of your best friends are going to go do at the same exact time, but have fun being back on the ship by, by four, yeah. you know? Well, and I got two girls, two teenage girls. And like, I don't know. So resort is starting to sound much better now. I would, I would do a resort because then you could at least do some snorkeling and maybe go just scuba diving. Yeah, of the of the of the two, I think a resort would be more fun. But so today at work, right, we're eating lunch, and someone mentioned that uh, that uh, the depart. I guess there's um oh I, I don't know what you call it, like a bill or something like that. That's legislation, for, right? And supposedly, I guess they're going to change all the army posts in the south. To, they're going to change their names. So like they're going to change Fort Bragg's name, Fort Pope, a whole bunch of. Them. I mean, there's probably like twenty or thirty of them. On, um, the only Fort Campbell doesn't get touched, but we just need to change all these posts to like Alpha Predators, right? <laughs> War Eagles, like <laughs> Camp War Eagle. That could be Alabama. Actually, that's right? a good idea, Jesse. Seriously, <laughs> yes, to be in Alabama. I mean, Fort, Fort Shinnebeck. I can already see it now. Fort Shinnebeck. Uh, He's put, not an Alpha put, Predator. Look at that guy. Fear in the people. <laughs> He's quaking in the corner. He's afraid of everything. <laughs> This is a cyber base. Uh, yeah. Like up in Alaska, now be Fort Grizzly, you know? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, make it geographically relevant. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I like where you're headed. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and then I'm sure, you know, and then only maybe Fort Polk, like then only PETA would be upset about this. And who cares about PETA, right? The <laughs> most irrelevant organization out there. Or you call Fort Polk, like something like Fort Mosquito. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's all I remember that place is nothing but dang on mosquitoes, man. <laughs> Speaking, you know, you we bring up West Peter. Nile. <laughs> <laughs> you bring up, you bring up PETA, Jesse. My dad had this bumper sticker on his truck. You may have seen it. What PETA stands for? People eating tasty animals. There you go. Yeah. No. And and not that I'm all about like, you know, know, caring about, you know, what I just said, but I do like to keep animals safe, you know, because that way we can hunt them. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, got to manage the herds, man. Got to manage the herds. uh, I don't care what anybody says about anti-hunting, man. Hunters are the best conservationists out there screw yeah. so but man, whatever i've been hunting in a long time i should go i should go hunting this this what do you hunt? Hunt? rabbits what rabbits hunt? rabbits it's rabbit season rascally rabbits rascally rabbit mule deer in south dakota pheasant ain't going out you ain't going out west and hunting nothing well i live in south dakota do, 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 do you shoot your longbow from the recumbent <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen those bikes, those trikes with the big giant balloon tires? You could get through some serious uh, terrain with those. Yeah, but you're not going to get within a 50 cal range of a, something you can shoot. I don't know. Uh, all right, here, here's another topic. I'm not. I'm not clearing this one in the chat room first. Um, so I saw this driving home the other day, and it, and it just kind of struck me as is interesting. And this this is this is uh, this is dangerous territory here. But all right, being that. We're all veterans or active duty. What do you guys think when you drive by a homeless gentleman or person, a homeless person asking for money, right? And it says disabled veteran on their on their sign, right? So I, I'll just throw it over to you guys. What do you, what do you think about that? Because I'll just start off by saying that I cannot block enough of the VA's phone calls to make sure that I'm not homeless and I have food 
and they're giving me monthly VA stipend, right? Now I realize that you could be a, you could have tinnitus and they'll give you 10% disability right off the top for just about everybody who gets out. And technically at 10%, you're a disabled veteran. So I can go out and be on the street corner and say, I'm a disabled vet and give me your money, right? But but the narrative that these folks are are producing is that their disability is what's preventing them from getting a job, which is preventing them from getting a home. Right. Like that's when you see a sign, it's not because they've they have ringing in their ears and they're 10% disabled. They're trying to tell you that they're disabled in the last great war and that disability is preventing them from getting a job. And so you need to give them money. Right. And every time I see it now, I already said I was going to throw that over to you guys. So I'm done talking. There you go. So in defense of this, this argument of yours, Jesse, I haven't created an argument yet. I I haven't created an argument yet. Yeah. Well, okay. Slow down with the accusations. Yeah. Okay. So my mom, she was married to this guy. He was a, a Korean war veteran and, uh, you know, he was disabled, but he got nothing from the VA all right? try? because back then, you know, that wasn't something that, that you went through, you know, like now they make sure every soldier has their medical record square away. Let's file them for claims. Right. Back then, they didn't have that. And I'll tell you right now, at about 85, he was trying to get some kind of benefits. Like he was trying to dig up old military records and, you know, his awards, all that stuff like that, his Purple Heart. And, you know, it's like, man, I tell you what, if you don't do it as soon as you get out, you're pretty much screwed because, you know, getting all that stuff afterwards is is almost crazy, crazy hard to do. Sure. So I don't doubt... That some of these guys run around with a sign trying to collect money may be disabled veterans. Now, I'll give you another one. My father-in-law, he graduated from the university, UK University at medical school there. And uh, he had a fellowship at the hospital there at UK. And uh, the hospital's connected to the VA hospital. All right. So they took turns at the VA hospital. And uh, what he told me was that they literally would have homeless veterans They would travel from the north to the south, starting the beginning of the fall, Mm. and they would stay at the hospitals. Like they get admitted to the hospitals, come up with some reason to stay in the hospital for three, four days. They get rejected, and then they move on to the next VA hospital, and they work their way all the way down to Florida. And then when the summer comes around, they start working their way back up, and they spend most of their time throughout the year staying at hospitals and hospital beds. And he says it's, it's a, it's, you know, it's a huge thing, but you know, the VA try to do everything they can to accommodate these people, you know, because you know, they, they don't have, they're homeless, you know? And uh, so, you know, I think, I think the homeless vet thing, it's a real thing. I think there's a lot more out there than, than we probably could ever imagine. Mm. And um, unfortunately, a lot of them probably aren't getting benefits, you know? And what well, I, I think you had a good point and about, I mean, just, I tell you, what year did you retire, Sarge? 1976. Yeah. So in 2011, did they push? Did they push VA benefits on you in 2011? Yes. yes. Did they? Because because in 2011, I'd only been in 11 years at that point, and I had never even heard of. I, VA I went through the. I, went, I was going through that. the program where you transition out. I can't. I don't yep. know. It's called TAP or something. Yep. Like that. Yep. yep. Okay. So I lucked what, out because they actually had someone from the DAV give us our VA brief. And uh, what was nice about this guy, he was actually the guy who would actually, you bring in your paperwork, he would do all the paperwork for you. Yeah, that's what they do. The DAV is legit. Yeah. That's one of the services they provide to veterans. So do you guys know off the top of your head, when did the services begin pushing like a tap class or a VA benefit sort of lesson towards the end of your career, right? Because I'm, I'm actually, I'm trying to prove your point, Sarge. Like, 
if nobody tells you about, you know, if, if there was nobody out there like the DAV to tell you what to do, how do you know to do it? And, and I don't what, know the history. What, what little I know about TAP, and this is what I was told was that, and you guys may know this, but TAP, TAP is a Congress mandated, right? And you guys, you guys yeah. know that it's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. Congress mandated, whatever. And I don't know when it came in. I was going to get 1991. Okay. The military transition assistance program was established by Congress yeah. in, in oh. the national defense authorization act for fiscal year, 1991. I was going to say probably after uh, one of our wars, which would be, you know, Iraq storm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that would make, I mean, so 91, I mean, you're looking at some of these older gentlemen on, on the, on the street. This says disabled vet. They're probably out of the military prior to 91 based on their age. Right. So I can, I can see that to your point, Sarge. I can see it. Um, with that said, I think there's a lot of pro. I, I, I wish I was more intelligent about this, but I think there's a lot of programs in the VA. I mean, cause there's a difference between getting your monthly disability check. Right. And, and getting help to not be homeless. Like there's programs in the VA to help people. And, and so, so they're either not getting advised properly. And I mean, just for some other numbers, right. And, and I'm not just to, to be clear, I am, I am not like, this is a, a serious issue, right? Yeah. Um, I, I'm not trying to minimize it at all. Um, right. This was as of November of 2021, estimated 37,252 veterans were homeless, according to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. So that means that veterans make up approximately 8% of the homeless population, while veterans as a whole only make up about 6% of the entire U.S. population. Which, so that ratio is off, right? Mm. And I mean, I think <clears throat> as a veteran, like when I, when I see, I, I can just tell you, like when I see a guy holding a sign that says disabled vet, I'm like, uh, I mean, it's a lot of different emotions. I'm like one who somebody didn't help you out. Right. Right. Somebody didn't advise you or, or you're lying, which is a possibility. Right. Like, like always trying to feed off that they could never been in the service at all. Who know? who knows? Right. Who knows? But, but assuming that they're not lying, somebody didn't advise him. Right. And, and, God only knows what trouble they got themselves into after they got out. I mean, everybody's got a different story. And yeah, I'll, I just, uh, I'll, I'll weigh in real quick if I can. I'll, uh, please. I'm I always consider myself to be, um, I always consider myself to be pretty soft, right? I, I'm, I'm sometimes over the top empathetic, almost to a fault where I, I, I will give you the shirt off my back. That, I mean, I'm legit that kind of person. Um, but I got, I got to tell you when I, when I see, what you've described. I have a little bit of empathy, but then unfortunately, I think through the years I've developed a little bit more of a, you know, and part of it, I think is because I know there's assistance out there. Like I know there is, I can tell you right here in my hometown, we've had, we've, we've talked about them, you know, in the military minute, welcome home, welcome home does nothing but, and I, and I know the organization and they're right here in our town. And so I know there's assistance for a lot of these folks that are out on the corners saying that they're disabled vets and they need help. There's help right here in our community. I know for a fact um, that will help them. So, you know, I mean, it's, I, I think some, I, I, I got to believe that some, some are probably lying. I completely agree with that. I believe that some may have got a dishonorable discharge and they just, you know, they were never going to make it in the military in the first place. And, you know, no right, wrong, or indifferent. They're probably potentially using it to trying to use it to their advantage. And I, I don't know. I just feel like there's enough, there's enough assistance out there, at least around me, I will say. Smaller little communities, probably not. But here, when I see them, I know there's help two blocks away and good help and reliable help. So I guess that's mm-hmm. that's the that's the side of me that I'm I'm just not as I don't know, I'm just not as bothered by it anymore, I guess, if that yeah. Means. And I love a veteran. So, okay, so how many of y'all actually do have, have you ever pulled out some money and handed some money over? I have. Yeah. 
I have to a few people, not necessarily just vets. I mean, literally people just standing there look like they need a hand. I'll, I've pulled out a couple, three bucks, five bucks maybe, and, and handed it off. But I've, I've kind of gotten away from it, to be quite frank. In my community, mm-hmm. we have a large homeless population. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in a town of about 130,000. Not huge, but not small either. There's a lot of people here, and we have a lot of homeless even within the fire department, we run a huge volume of calls on our homeless population. So we've got a lot of them here. So I, you know, I just, I'm, I'm kind of belaboring my point, but there's just so many of them, you know, you'd be, you'd be picking and choosing or handing out money all the time. Yeah. It, I, I can't off the top of my head. I can't say that I have or haven't ever given somebody with a disabled vet sign money. I can't, I can't remember ever specifically giving them, but I can tell you if I have, it wasn't much. Because I specifically can remember the times I've given significant amounts of money and those weren't for veterans. That was when a kid or or I see a mom with her kid on the street or something like that. Then then my empathy goes high. Right. And, and whether she spends her money responsibly or not, that's, that's on, that's on her. Right. And whatever, at least I did what I could do at that point. You know, I don't, if I'm enabling a homeless mom to, uh, to further her drug habit, then that, I guess that's a risk. God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a risk I'm willing to take to help, to help out the kid, you know, but, but, uh, when I see disabled vet sign, I, I guess because I am now in the category of disabled vet, right. For whatever that means, it, it struck me a little bit odd this time. Cause I see my VA disability check come in. I'm like, if I made no other money than this disability check, it would keep, it'd be enough to keep me off the streets. Right. I mean, if, if that was it, not let alone my retirement and all that, but just my, my single disability check, I would at least not be where this, where this chap is. Damn. But, I but guess there, I gotta go talk to the DAV. Shoot. Yeah, you do. Well, I, I mean, been. it, it, it I doesn't take a haven't been. It doesn't take a lot of money to not be homeless, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you can get a dive little apartment, and I mean, you don't have to. I don't, you don't have to be a hundred percent disability and an 06 retirement to to not be homeless. Okay, okay. But, you know, now that you bring that up, though, let's let's define homeless because nowadays, I mean, back when I was growing up, if you lived in a car, you were homeless. But today, people live in their freaking cars because they want to. They live in a van because they want to. Nah, I mean, I don't, that's like, not... You have I, to define the homeless thing. I'm that's, to me, that's homeless not, is that's, like you ain't got nothing. No, that, that's it's it's living in a car because that's all you could afford, and the car is where it is because you ran out of gas, right? Like that's that. I, I'm not talking about the idiots in downtown Portland who, you know, are, are, are homeless for three weeks and they get tired of being homeless. So they go home to mom and dad's house. Right. Um, I can actually imagine that. <laughs> um, the expectation, like if you go to a restaurant and you take your food to go and you don't give that food to some 19 year old kid who's perfectly capable of working a job, like people, you are not looked highly upon in Port- Portland, such a stupid town, which is a shame because it's beautiful. But <laughs> Anyways, this is going to sound judgmental. I'll I'll finish with this point, Um, but staying on topic. Obviously, you guys know I'm a firefighter, and here in the city, we run we run twenty thousand plus calls a year for service. And like I said earlier, we run a lot of we run a lot of homeless uh, people calls. And I mean, maybe that's where I maybe that's where I get it from is because I see the drunkenness and I see the drug use, I see the needles in the in the homeless camps when I'm running when we're running these calls. Maybe that's part of it. And I, you know, sometimes I think homeless people make decisions that aren't 
that aren't right. I mean, we we all know that. I mean, there's a lot of them out there that are just making bad decisions. They may they may get that eight hundred dollar a month month check, and it may be they may may be pissing it away. So, and again, I know this sounds mean to a lot of people, but I mean, at some point, you know, you have people have to take ownership for their lives and you know work on making better decisions or getting help or whatever the case is. And again, this is this is firsthand experience I'm talking about. You know that that I have, where some of some of you may not have the, the kind of firsthand experience that I have with homelessness. Yeah, no, I mean my my experience is when you see different things online talking about how serious veteran homelessness is, and then actually you know personally seeing people on the street with disabled veteran signs. But here's a fact from the I, I actually had uh, no idea that this was a department, but the state of homelessness department, thirty um, percent increase in unsheltered homelessness. So there you go, Sarge, to define homelessness. 30% increase in unsheltered homelessness for veterans since 2015. So why? I mean, why? What are what are we doing wrong out there as veterans? I, I guess, and that's really the, the crux of why I started talking about this, right? Mm-hmm. Like the four of us, we're all, I mean, we've got, as Sarge said, disposable income. We're buying tools. We're we're building fancy new workbenches. We're mm-hmm. we paying off bills, right? We we are we are not necessarily the homeless problem. But what is the problem? Why why? So we've all seen all sorts of people in the military, right? We have there, and we've talked about this before. Just because you're a veteran doesn't mean you're a good person, right? Like mm-hmm. you, it means you get a maybe a, a instant credibility, but. It's yours to lose immediately as well. So what are we doing wrong as a group that veteran homelessness is going up 30% in seven years? I guess it would be six years because this is a 2021 report, but I just, I don't, I, 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 does it start? Does it start while we're active? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't, I think back in my time, you think about all the trainings that we've done, all the different programs that you're introduced to. I, I, I mean, I tend, even though I'm not a firefighter, I'm, I tend to fall in the flash camp in terms of not being feeling as sorry as I should. But at the same time, at the same time, right? Anything with the word veteran attached to it is our people. That's our community yeah. and that's our family. And I mean, at some point you got, I mean, what am I, what am I missing about this issue? I think it's, I, I think it's like a lot of issues. It's kind of like this gun violence issue, which happened to be back in the news again as of yesterday, right? Um, I think there's, I think there's different. There's a lot of different pieces to this. There's, there's no cookie cutter. What are we doing wrong? Well, it's this. I, th- I think for each individual, there's, there's different things. There's, there's those that just lack motivation. There's, there's those I believe that get out of the service and the, and they lose their way. In the sense of they they lose the camaraderie and the in the in the being part of a team, and I think there's there's those that fall on drug use and, and alcohol abuse. I mean, so I think it's a lot bigger problem than just saying you know it's one thing or you know does that make sense? And I'm not trying to imply that you think it is one thing, but no, no, it's I, I think obviously a lot so of different many things. different things that you know we we here in this group you just mentioned it. You know we're we're doing our best to work hard and and be successful. And and maintain a good life for our families, and, and I think we're doing. I think we're doing great as are tens of thousands of other veterans. But I just I feel that there's some that it just you know for whatever reason they've lost their way and fallen on hard times, and you know yeah. I, I don't know. Well, how, how much of it do you think has to do with mental health? I'd say probably a good amount for sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's really okay. So. When I, this is probably the most I've ever actually thought about this. Maybe I, I'm a jerk for not having thought about this more. But when I think about everybody who I've served with in the in 21 years, starting with the first third of my career being enlisted, 
to the second half of being junior to mid-grade officer, right? And and I think so that's a wide swath of different ranks that I've served, right? I can't recall ever seeing like one person pointing in the mountain been like, you're going to be homeless someday, right? Mm-hmm. You're a complete degenerate. I mean, I thought people were degenerates, but not to the point of being homeless. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like there was nobody that was like immediately identifiable. So I guess what I'm getting at too is I have very little empathy for alcohol and drug abuse. Like I know their diseases in their own way. I know I'm not trying to be cold about that, but but if you don't get help in time to, if you let it affect your life so much that you end up on the street with nothing, somebody, somebody else in their own personal life missed their opportunity to intervene. Right? And I, I know that's probably simplifying the situation, but what I do really feel bad for is the mental health aspect. Um, and I, I mean, I, I have personally, we've talked about this before. I mean, this transition has been incredibly harder on me than I thought it would be. And I'm in no way saying I have like Mm. mental health issues that are going to drive me to homelessness, right? That different category altogether. But what it has done to me is kind of opened my eyes as to the reality of mental health, right? Like if if you've never had any sort of difficult time mentally, I think it at least for me, you know, I've always had it pretty well in my life, I think, comparatively speaking. And I've never, you know, I wouldn't say there's been too many dark days or dark thoughts or anything like that. So I was never really that sympathetic to it because I didn't understand it. But when you start having those thoughts, even on a minor scale like myself, like it definitely makes you, it made me like understand uh, or open my eyes to the situation a lot, a lot more. So I don't know. I mean, it's, I think mental health is is clearly something as, as a as a family of veterans is is a is a significant issue, and if it leads to homelessness, that's that's just that's just one layer of that issue. I don't, I don't know. Mm. All right, all right. Let's 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 uh, let's let's get away from this for right now, and uh, <clears throat> let's talk about something a little more. I don't know, upbeat. I guess. Are, are, we, are we good with that? Oh, uh, sure. What do you got? Yeah. Well, let's yeah. talk about what we're doing in our shops. Hey, I got a dilemma for you guys. Ooh. Um, I like it. So I'm I'm currently in my uh, deceased father's 24 by 52 shop full of machines, and uh, my mom's getting remarried to Friday, not tomorrow. Nice. Um, yeah. So I've got uh, some machines that have been willed to me, but I'm still active duty, so I'm moving around. So it's kind of a I guess a, a nice problem to have. I don't know what what to say about it. It's kind of weird, but um, I've got to figure out a way to store these things and move them. Uh, I'm in Tennessee. I'm currently located in Pennsylvania where the shop is. And uh, now I'm, I'm just trying to minimize the impact to my mom and uh, family there and uh, her her new husband as they uh, tie the knot and, and move on with life. They're actually moving out of this house in the next few months. So I mean, not really anything to solve here, but I've got to figure out a way to, uh, in conjunction with our uh, expected daughter this summer um i gotta handle this all remotely because i'm mm. i'm certainly not going to drop everything family wise where i'm at in tennessee for some machines you know mm-hmm. but uh i gotta figure out a way to to move these machines remotely and uh and get them in storage at least what, what are we talking about footprint wise uh i mean all, all said and done it's uh we're talking a, a full-size eight or i think it's an eight inch joiner uh 16 inch planer full-size table saw um, 19 inch bandsaw, uh, drill press, kind of full sanding setup. I mean, it, it'll all fit in a little box truck. So, man, but uh, I think it's a little bigger than an eight by 10 storage unit. And there's not really one local. Yeah. Uh, oh. I forgot a shape or two. I kind of forgot about that. Hmm. So, um, 
I, you, I can move it into your place, Flash. I, I was I was going to offer it actually. Yeah. I thought yeah. that might be uh, <laughs> thought that might be a little rude, but yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think who's closest to Pennsylvania, and it'd probably be uh, Sarge. But yeah, yeah. probably. Well, I was going to say you can move it in my barn. I wouldn't yeah. even use it; it would just be sitting there waiting for you. But uh, in all seriousness, you can buy like a little utility covered trailer and keep it in there. The only thing is, is you live in sort of a humid part of the of the world, you know, so that that would obviously be a, a consideration. But that's a great idea. But it's just weird sentimental value too to the machines. You know, it's not like you know you I mean, can't sell it. Selling them is an option, but nah, it's, it's not really an option. So no, nah. but I, I think if you can buy, I mean, you could probably pick up a. Man, I'd, I'd literally give you mine, but it's in Oregon. So, but you could pick up a little like 14 foot trailer. Just, I mean, you could probably get away with just a single axle with just those tools. And uh, although I don't, should buy a double axle, but that's another conversation. But, but you could probably get away with a little trailer. You know, you could probably find one, $2,000 or something and uh, just park that someplace where you trust. And mm -hmm. then, and then when you get to a point, you can unpack those tools sell the trailer and uh and be done with it mm, but it's great point um because trailers you got no place to store it though well the right? trailer you can store i mean yeah that's true you can you just park the trailer off to the side in front of the well i don't know what his hoa is going to be like but park your trailer so heck you park your trailer at fort campbell man that's your unit <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah my issue is they're probably moving this summer i'm not going to be able to come up at all and do our baby yeah i'll probably do that in the winter but I'm probably going to have to have somebody do this. Whatever I'm doing, I'll, somebody will have to do it on my behalf. So when is this due by? When is this due by? Yeah, good question. I've been asking uh, asking that question. So we're probably looking at middle of the summer, end of the summer, probably realistically. All right, here we go. I'm, I'm plotting. I'm plotting. So I plan on going out to, I got to talk to Dave Darling about this, but I'm planning on going out to Michigan, right? Planning on going out to Michigan to build this bow. And then my in-laws live in Buffalo. So guess what's right in between oh, yeah. Michigan and Buffalo, Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, I'm in central Pennsylvania though. It's whatever. Like hours southeast. It doesn't matter. Pennsylvania is not that big. Get on the turnpike and go. <laughs> Refund me my turnpike toll and we're good. I'm got it. No, I'm just joking. But but uh, I just the timing. It's a little that's soon. But shoot, if there's a need, I can fill it. Appreciate <laughs> it. So we'll see. We'll see. No promises on that one. I'm just brainstorming out loud, offering false hope. <laughs> <laughs> the honesty prevails. Yeah. No, no, no. I would love to be able to do that for you. Um, like I said, shoot, I, I even have a trailer, you know, so it's not even a, I would just have to, eat, man. I mean, whatever. We'll figure out something, Chris. We'll keep talking. Okay. We'll figure, we'll figure something for these tools out. Um, I've also got a lot of family or it's my wife's family, but they're like, I mean, I've been in the family so long now and they're just up in Buffalo again, not that far away. So, um, I tell you my, if I can get it up to Buffalo, my in-laws have a, a perfect place to store it all. Mm. So I just need to get it up, up to, uh, the Buffalo area, but, yeah. but you can't sell it. A park manager up, uh, up on the New York, Pennsylvania border. Nice. Buffalo. Yeah. That's, I mean, Erie's right there. So, um, Lake Erie, I mean, so, all right. Anyways, it's a problem that could be solved, Chris. We could do this. We could do this. Um, Sarge just left us. 
He's just like, yeah. screw you guys. He's yeah, like, he's this. like, I wanted to talk about something funny. And then yeah, he put it, he put it in the chat. He's on his way to Sonic again, get himself an ice cream sundae. You know, I feel like after the Appalachian Trail, you and Sarge can be like those two dudes in the, in the Sonic commercials, you know, sharing each yeah. other's milkshake, sharing each other's <laughs> fries. You guys are going to be cute. I'll tell you what, man, if this, if this actually goes down, it, it could be, it could be something. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit fearful that at some point we wouldn't get along. And that that kind of, that kind of concerns me a little bit. We barely get along in chat yeah, rooms, let alone on a trail. That's, that's why I'm wondering if sharing I'm, each other's underwear. I'm, I'm feeling know. like I would nitpick at him quite a bit because, you know, he'd have these little nuances that would drive me nuts. And I, I feel like I'd get angry at him and try to drown him in a pond or something. <sighs> I feel like Sarge is the kind of guy that would carry extra weight just for like the weird luxuries. I don't know. <laughs> just <laughs> weird luxuries. <laughs> he'd carry the extra weight, yet he'd still be barefoot. Yeah, <laughs> barefoot. <laughs> I could totally see him toting his uh, toting his three wheel bike on his back, though. You know, whatever the hell they call that thing, the recumbent, recumbent. Yeah, and wondering why I'm only getting nine miles a day because he's on his recumbent. Yeah, well, yeah, I can't keep up with that. Hey, so here, here's a question for you guys. So back to this Harvey table saw, right? Because as soon as we're done with this, I'm going back out and continuing the assembly of this table saw. Yeah. So if you guys aren't familiar with it, it comes with the 52 inch comes in the tabletop part comes in five different pieces, right? Yeah. So the center piece where the blade comes up and all that, that's, that's cast iron. Right. And then there's two wings that go on each side of that. That's also cast iron. So part of the trick to assembly this is to get it all coplanar, right? Mm. You got a straight edge. And, and it took me three different times of applying different layers of masking tape to get this thing, uh, you know, at the, where, where you bolt in between to get this thing, what I would consider as close to coplanar as possible. And then you've got two sort of composite sections. They go to the, the right side of it. And that's like the big extension. I mean, you're not going to be too rough on that anyways, but it's got the laminate sort of laminate over MDF kind of table. All right. So there's three things that have upset me so far. I mean, it's a lot of money for this saw, right? It's a lot of money for this saw. So if you can imagine the centerpiece of the saw, like I said, where the blade comes up, it's the big, you know, where the motor is, the, ba- the, the whole cabinet part of the saw. It's got the two cast iron wings. So the one to the left, as you look at it, fit perfect. I got it. Coplanar is really, is really great. And there's a bevel on the front, like on the, on the, where you stand, there's about a 45 degree camphor on the, on the front of the cast iron. And I'm sure it has something to do. I haven't got the far yet, but I'm sure it's got something to do with how the fence fits on it and slides up and down the table, right? So the second side of the table, the second wing on, on the right, that camphor is actually a bigger camphor. Like it's the same same angle, but deeper. So it creates a a wider camphor. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a perfect symmetrical match. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I, I hope this doesn't affect how the, the yeah. fence m- moves because it's- it's almost it, like it would catch. It, that's that's what I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm like, well, that just seems sloppy too, because it doesn't even look it aesthetically, it doesn't look it it's clearly like uh, admittedly, most people, most people who aren't weird like me probably wouldn't even but but aesthetically it's what I noticed when I first look at it. I'm like, well, this doesn't even match, right? Mm-hmm. And then these composite things, I mean, you know what MDF looks like when mm-hmm. like when it gets hit. Right. It kind of like bubbles up a little bit, like, you know, kind of puckers up. And that's, there's like a little pucker up. Like, I know I can take a black Sharpie, cover that in, and it's just fine. But like, I shouldn't have to when you spend that kind of money, like, make a composite tabletop look okay. And that's just, that's just frustrating. And then, um, and then there's like a different finish 
It's almost like they're overspray or something on the second composite piece. So all in all, it's very, very minor, minor things. But when you spend that kind of money on something that's precision, supposedly precision made, you expect the camphor to be the same size at a minimum, right? Like, like I, I get that the you know shipping sucks, right? This thing shipped from China because all good products are made in China. So, you know, you know, a ding here, ding there kind of happens in shipping. I get it. But but the different size camphor on the on a cast iron table, that just seems seems JV, you know? I don't know. Yeah, if not freshman. If not freshman. Yeah. It's it it I we'll we'll see. If if it doesn't affect the fence operation at all, if it goes smooth, mm-hmm. I could I could I could probably overlook it, but uh No, it I mean it I'm I'm probably the most inexperienced woodworker here, but it could be it could be an intentional stop. If that makes any sense, you know, if you run your if you run your fence all the way to that right side, for example, maybe maybe it's a stop to prevent it, you know, from one hand moving it all the way off the table. I don't know. I'm reaching here. Yeah, because it's out. it's on the inner seam. It's not on the out. Like you'd you'd be missing. Oh, I got eighteen. You. You'd be missing eighteen inches of table. You know, that'd yeah, be I got a. You. It, I got it'd you. be so a, it's that it's that whole it's that whole piece. Mm. I was just thinking maybe just an end. Yeah. Um, no, it's the whole piece. I got you. And and so I don't know. Yeah. It's it's it makes like a big purchase like that just a little bit like painful, a little bit painful only because I expected, you know, high quality fit and finish, you know, and and also I get the I get the concept of putting masking tape in a seam to raise it up a little bit to get the co-planner. I would think there's got to be an engineer out there that could come up with a better way than masking tape. Like masking tape just seems sort of stupid, but it works. So I guess it's not, maybe it's, maybe, maybe that's exactly it. Maybe it's so easy and cheap and it works. So just go with it. But I I don't know. I, I, I've been, I've been underwhelmed so far and I haven't even got the thing plugged in yet. You never know. It might, might've been an old army engineer. Yeah, maybe, you know, close enough and not real good. Make it work. Yeah. Make it work. That's right. Well, there's, well, there's no doubt about it's, it's probably going to turn on us probably going to be super smooth it's going to be a great table saw but i'm just the sort of person that likes to keep everything you know we know we know you know what yeah. you could do though you could always reach out to damn yank our good buddy yeah he's a big harvey think, fan i don't think he'd reach back <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think regardless i mean i think harvey needs to hear about it i mean in my opinion i know a lot of these companies do have pretty good customer service like uh i'm looking at some grizzly machines here and i know they're all made in uh springfield missouri baby well they're imported it well they were imported to springfield missouri no muncie pennsylvania and uh i think somewhere on the west coast but made in uh taiwan or uh they're all made in china now if you're looking for a made in the usa table saw good luck Mm-hmm. But their their customer Delta. service is pretty solid. Uh, My table saw is built in, in the U.S. Saw yeah. stop is no saw stop is not made in the U.S. No, and like, you no, you said you got Unisaw, yeah. right? My Delta was built in the U.S. right here in Tennessee. Yeah, no way. in what nineteen seventy one, maybe? <laughs> no, no, no. This is uh, and and I, I like to say Jesse that uh, I, I didn't have any chamfer issues. Yeah, damn. <laughs> damn. <laughs> Wow. Look, I got, I got, you know, where I got my table saw. It was brand new, had all the, you know, the grease stuff all over it. And uh, I bought it at like a big lots. It's called a bargain hunt. Yeah, That's hey, where I got it at. Do you know who the the parent company of Delta Machinery is, Sarge? Chang Type Industrial. Yeah. Chang, yeah they, they, like, I, I'm sure, I'm sure that's a good Tennessee company for you there, buddy. I, I'm telling you, it was built in Tennessee. <laughs> I, I, I believe it. 
1981, it probably was. I, I don't believe Look, it. I did probably, my research because I wanted to find out. And it, it might have been assembled in it Tennessee. Was, it, no, it was actually built in Tennessee before they uh, before they stopped building. But now I heard that they're actually starting to build them back in Tennessee. Again. Nah. Oh, We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, uh, hey, I'm proud to be in a- uh, they're probably getting made on Camp Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> Fort, Fort Shinnebeck. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, no, they're so hey, Woodmaster. Uh, yeah. Hey, Woodmasters are made in the U.S., but there they're, they're, they're a planer, not a, not a table saw. I, I, um, got to thank you, Jesse, for for you know a little bit of advice you give me on the uh, inlay thing. Hey, good. I I mean I don't know why you're being such a wuss about it. Well, I haven't done it yet. I'm gonna do it live on Friday. What are you talking about? You've been doing it every. What are you talking about? I'm gonna I'm gonna shave it down this Friday. Oh yeah, I mean shaving it down. That yeah, I mean that's like that's gonna be perfect. You're gonna be you're. It's gonna be amazing. And I'm and, so uh, glad you, I'm so glad you didn't do it along the way because that just would have been stupid. I don't know. I've never done it. Yeah. Well, I, you I, worry I, too much. I just ordered a new flattening bit just for this purpose. Why? Use an old one. Well, because I talked to Shane. He's got disposable income. Remember? Shane Woodwork. <laughs> yeah, but it's epoxy. It's not like a hardwood. It's going to go through it like butter. So anyways, <laughs> I asked him what he was using. And he says, he says, I've used dozens of different flattening bits and mills he says this particular flattening uh this particular flattening um uh bit that he's using stop it what's the name of it what are you using i'm using an amana rc2255 okay i've got it it's great yeah he says it's like flawless he's 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 never looked back since he's had it yeah if i had your money i'd burn i'd burn mine in the winter to keep warm well that that purchase actually hurt but that's <laughs> Uh, I'm kind of running. I'm kind of running low lately, man. I don't know if you noticed, but gas is almost five bucks a gallon right now. <laughs> shouldn't shouldn't be in Katy's, Texas. Should be like a buck and a quarter. No, it's it's like it's, it's five. Was it four dollars and twenty some odd cents right now? Right. I want to know what steel's paying for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you uh, paying it's, for gas? It's my God. So it's so diesel is five oh, five forty six a gallon. So I think I think. I think the uh, gas regular is uh, four eighty nine a gallon here, um, and I'm in the cheap part of Oregon, right? Mm. I mean, you go you go to the west side, and it, you could easily add a dollar to both of those. Mm. So, um, yeah, it just my commute to the baseball field is about six minutes, and I, I think the little stipend they give me as a hired employee of the school district to coach baseball almost covered my gas. <laughs> no, that's okay. Hey, hey, Sarge. Yeah. In 2012, Delta has been sold to a Taiwanese company, and all production has gone to Chang Industrial Sorry, buddy. Company. There you go. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. Oh, I'm still uh, China invades. Yeah, maybe then we'll get it back. Well, look um, at the year it was manufactured. <laughs> better be before 2012, <clears throat> or they lied to you. I'm crushed. <laughs> it's still a good saw, though. Oh, yeah. Matter yeah, fact, the- <clears throat> not everything made in China sucks. Not everything made in Taiwan sucks. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. No, I mean, if you're a smart manufacturer and you didn't investigate at least the cost savings of manufacturing over there, I think you'd probably be a pretty poor business person. But I think what makes the difference is how involved the company that is having manufacturing done over there 
is in the process. You know, it's yeah, easy. I mean, no, I mean, the, the guys who travel to China to watch the production company you know, the production of their goods probably have better luck than the person who doesn't, right? Exactly. So, um, can I bring it on to, uh, to our topic that you brought up, Steel? So I know that obviously we got a higher rate of military that are homeless and unemployed, but uh, I think it's something like I I don't I'm not even going to throw out a statistic there, but I know it's higher than higher than the average that entrepreneurs or those that start a business that are veterans. There's like oh, yeah. an absurdly high number of people that are that are veteran entrepreneurs out there are starting businesses whether I mean, obviously a lot of people in our what we do makers and whatnot but just in general I get hired on for their work ethics and things you know and I think what's even more impressive and again I can't name a stat but like if you think about like a 30 year old like a, if, not a 30 year old a, a 30 year veteran right if they made admiral or e9 or, or whatever right upper ranks e8 e9 o whatever right a lot of those really high guys end up being like consultants or going on like contractor or something they're not necessarily starting their own businesses i mean they do obviously this is a general statement i don't know the numbers but the number of people who do like four and out and take like their gi bill and go study exactly what they want to and then and then start up a business is so impressive to me on how high that goes. So, anyways, um, sorry, did you get the the screenshot so everybody knows how ugly you are? Screenshot. Everybody smile, right? Well, why am I the only one that's got to do the screenshot? Be because you're the tech guy. You're the nerd. Take a screenshot. You're the nerd. <laughs> I only have, you got I the BC have... glasses. Yeah, you got the Harry Potter glasses. Come on, wave the wand, take a shot. Do it. Okay, one, my glasses are not round. <laughs> Steel, is that your background? Is that your actual new shop? No. He wishes. Is that my shop? Yeah. No. Oh, that's not I, my shop. My shop. I is in shambles. I thought it was. No, my shop is in shambles. That is a cool shop. He's sitting on the toilet, oddly enough. I am. <laughs> nope. He did say this is laundry room, but the poop doesn't just flow out of my mouth on this show. Hey, all I know is that whoever owns that shop, I'm not alone. I, he has a hot water heater also. <laughs> no, no, it's great. I, the old school radiator. Um, yeah. I will have snowshoes in my shop, so that's something similar. Right. Um, you know, the one thing that I've been putting up in my shop, so I've been painting the walls and kind of make it nice. Um, I wanted to make it look like this shop, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, you got the timber frame in there and you got the wood floor and the wood paneling. It was it has like a real like warm sort of feel to it. And you can see yourself at that workbench. Um, mine's going to be a little bit more industrial, but the one thing I have been adding to it is uh, like pictures and things of my family, things that experiences along the way that have made the wood shop what it is, you know? And that's one thing it kind of, it, it developed into that. I wasn't necessarily planning that, you know? Um, but, you know, we had like pieces of art on the wall that have kind of gotten, you know, styled out for different reasons or whatever, but yet like I have this one, this one piece that was super cheap, but it was in our first house 18 years ago. And so now it's in the wood shop and I'm like, you know, it's kind of cool here. I don't care that it's getting all dusty. It was just a cheap piece of crap thing, but it reminds me of being stationed in Pensacola, you know? And so it, I'm, I'm trying to make the shop a lot more personable. I don't really care about making it IG friendly or any of the nonsense that 
I'm not trying to be flashy with it. I'm trying to make it mine. And so that's kind of fun. Yeah. Yep, that's one thing I don't have to worry about flashy. <laughs> nope. But flash does. I'm always flashy. Always flashy. All right, guys. Well, we're running a little long in the tooth on this episode. So I think it's about time we go ahead and close this out. Yep. Hey, did you take any notes on when we said something witty? I mean, I think I think it was just nonstop wit. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I'm gonna have to listen to the whole This was story. this was definitely a wit loaded episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean it was everywhere. Listen, listen, I wasn't even here for half the show so exactly that's why it's our best show yet (laughs) i can't help it i mean it's it's wednesday it's not thursday and two my, my my daughter she's out of town Wait, are you only witty on Thursdays? You didn't tell us that. My that daughter's was not- out of town, so she's trying to get hold of me because she's got a, a fifth-degree sunburn, and my freaking oldest daughter wants to get picked up from work. Fifth-degree oh, sunburn. What does that even mean? She's got, she's got the blisters, the whole nine yards. What? Yeah, she's she's I, on some she's on a beach vacation with somebody and only in Kentucky. Well, is it just her backside? Is it somebody that she's at the beach with? Does she pass uh-huh. out on the beach? Like, no, because no? she don't listen. You know, typical kid shit. Okay. If I was there, she'd probably be wearing a shirt all day long on the beach. So, um, but but you're not there, so there's nothing on. No, oh, she's, no, she's she, a little yeah. young for that. She's only thirteen now. <laughs> well, you better. Oh, I thought you were talking about your older one. No, my oldest Sorry. works. I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy. I promise. I wouldn't make those jokes about a 13 year old. I'm sorry. Creeper. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's, that's, I was really trying to make fun of Sarge's offspring just in any way I could, but. Well, take us home, Sarge. All right. Yep. Well, appreciate y'all coming on. Appreciate everybody out there listening and supporting us. And if you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash military makers and consider helping us out with a little donation every month. It'd be really greatly appreciated. Sure. And, for uh, sure. Thank, uh, thank Chris Harpster for joining us tonight. Hey, he has his own Patreon account too, right? Go get some, uh, yeah. I, I have been at uh, zero patrons for like three years, so I'm going to, I'm probably going <laughs> to keep it that way. All right. Who's going to be the first, Sarge? First what? He needs a patron. Chris needs a patron. What do, what do you get for being a patron? Oh, well, I mean, I've got uh, I've got a coffee mug I use every day and a bottle opener. <laughs> no, 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 not for us. Not for us. What, what do you get for being a patron for, for the for the bench oh, top woodworks? I offer uh, free plans. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, there you go. Yeah, new set of plans every month. All except for the CNC plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to be... Be around for a while for the. Yeah, we're just cut of that, just so you know. Really appreciate you coming on, Chris. We'll have to have yeah, you on here yeah. more often, that's for sure. You got to be, uh, you got to be a Nittany Lion patron to get that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, I'm going. Right. Here we go. Here we go. I'm on it. Should I become a patron? No, I'm. I'm on your website. I'm not on your Patreon. Do you have a link to Patreon on your website? Link tree. I think so. I don't do a good job of that, but yeah, there's one out there somewhere. Well, it's a professional-looking website, though. Definitely on Linktree. Yeah, how how full of ads is it? Uh, how full of ads? You yeah. got one ad at the bottom for multiply wood from Brazil, um, but it just stays at the bottom. Everything else is good to go. Okay. Um, if I hit X on that, uh, now you got one for uh, thong bikinis, men's Ooh, style. Men on here. That's uh, that's a tailored ad for you, probably. <laughs> I bet Sarge planted that. Sarge, Sarge has been on your website way too many times. And we know Sarge likes his banana hammocks. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh no! Now you have a ship. Now you have an uplift uh, shipping shipping ad. So not too bad, Chris. The ads are fun. Okay. So, hey, real, real talk, real talk, real quick, Chris. Yeah. Uh, I'll be keeping your family and my thoughts and prayers, man, in the months ahead. And it's like you guys got a lot going on. So um, I appreciate it. 
For sure. Yeah, definitely. We'll, uh, try to keep us updated as you can and as you will. And we'll uh, keep you in our thoughts for sure. I'll do that. No question. Thanks. Thanks, Flash. So, mm-hmm. um, you know where I'm at, Chris, if you ever need me. So. Of course. Come down the road. <laughs> hey, guys, want a little little tour before we go? Shoot yeah. Let's see fucking, it. Uh, I got to see what I got to go pick up. <laughs> it's a mess. I mean, there's like furniture in here. Of course, so my mom's getting remarried after mm-hmm. uh, after a few years, which is awesome. Army vet is the guy she's marrying. Nice. Um, but uh, this is the shop. So, Ooh, I got this okay. so is that a chair he built? Yeah, so it is actually. The year he, wow. he passed, he was building a set of like 10 chairs for a table that's in this house. It's just straight up unfinished project. That's yeah. awesome. Um, Think you'll ever try to finish that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's something we've talked about. I... Uh, I mean, he's got like blanks for everything. There's a cherry patterned it off of. There's a. Wow. I mean, he made patterns so you could template route it and stuff. But yeah, but it's very specific to this house. She's moving, so I got to show you this. This is a pretty cool bathroom. Yeah, there's a Harry Potter door right there. Mm. Oh yeah, there you go. Yep, that's just like (laughs) Harry Potter's house right there. Yeah, don't open that door. Jesse's taking a poop. (laughs) (laughs) This is a shop bathroom. How many? That's awesome. Yeah, this uh, that's cool. This white cedar tree, my grandfather actually was around when it was planted, so it's kind of this cool uh, tree wow. used a bunch of. Is, Man, is, there, is it? Is there any way to take that down and like put it in a new bathroom? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's I don't cool. know. It's that kind of stuff, I guess. But there's a bandsaw. Um, Man, if I had a shitter and a small fridge in my in my shop, I'd never, <laughs> You'd never leave. Never leave, right? Yeah, it was the joiner. That's it's just awesome. like kid. Kid Central in here, and there's a planer. Hmm. And uh, I'm not even going to try to show you the table saw. It's on the other wow. side of that stuff. Hair compressor. Yeah. yeah. Man, it looks pretty expansive. Weird. I mean, it's hard to say the perspective, yeah. but it looks pretty expansive. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, I forget if it's 19 or 20 feet wide. Look at all the cabinets. No, wait, wow. it's 20, 22 feet. Yeah, he was he was a teacher. So this came out of a home ec room in uh, That's awesome. In his old middle school. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you gave us the tour there, Chris. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. Uh, heavy equipment. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a full full shop worth thing. How much oh, long you got? How much you know, long you got in Pennsylvania? Uh, I'm gonna be here through. I'm leaving on Sunday morning. I'm gonna drive it probably all day Sunday. Uh, go back to work on Monday. Uh, well, holiday there, but I'm I've oh. taken leave through Tuesday. All right, so I'll go back to work on Wednesday. You can always tell the retired guy absolutely <laughs> clueless about the holidays. <laughs> yeah, four yeah. day weekend. What are you doing? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> same thing. I've done every other day. <laughs> yeah. I'm off the next five days. So, well, Chris, you, you've been nice. asking for pictures of our shop, and I promise, yeah, I yeah. promise, I'll try to get you some for mine. But right now, okay. I can't do it. I can't get you a picture no. of mine right now. It's right. it's not suitable for pictures. Hey, Chris, if you if you end up getting a, a you know wild hair up your rear end, you're gonna go rent a U-Haul or something like that and load it up and bring it on down. I'll help you unload it wherever you need to unload it to. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Be yeah, a lot of it's move stuff like that. Yeah, I, I've gone with the Penske with the tailgate lift the past few times. I've moved. That's been pretty slick. I tell you, I know we're I know we're trying to get out of here, but I just borrowed. I had to borrow a buddy's uh, engine picker to move Mm. this table saw. As I'm getting older and the back is getting worse, man, I think that is going to be something I need to buy. Mm. I mean, an 820 pound table saw, I moved like it was nothing all by myself and put it right down where I wanted it. You Mm. know, that's that's invaluable. That's a tool right there. That's handy. So, but all right, Chen. So, hey, we should get out of here. Uh, Chris, you got go spend time with your mom or family or whoever you're there with and uh, good luck at the wedding. And we're definitely going to be thinking about you. No, no question. Um, oh, thanks, guys. Uh, and uh, thanks for making the time to be on here with us tonight. Yeah. yeah of course. Mm-hmm. Lay it, lay it. I've got nothing to do right now, actually. 
Wait, Flash, Flash was Flash was out of town last week. You're out of town this week, Chris. Man, I'm not, I think I'm gonna be out of town next week. So there you next, go. Next show, come to Clarksville. <laughs> yeah. We got a we got a place we can put you up. Hey, that's out of town for sure. Man. Kids are insane though. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, you met Bradley. <laughs> Huh? No. Oh, all right. Well, thanks everybody for coming on. Let's uh, let's get on out of here. Better yet, better yet, better yet. Three miles, three miles, all the way, all the way, four miles, four miles, every day, every day, sounding good, sounding good, feeling good, feeling good, ought to be, ought to be Hollywood, Hollywood. Where